What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of You Can't Do That Anymore, a weekly movie podcast where we look back on movies that might be classics, might be favorites, might just exist. And we wonder, could we still do this today in 2021? Are the jokes relevant? Are the themes relevant? Is anything about it worth having now? As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Terrence Tatum. Hello. And Anastasia Washington. Hello. We will fight. We will fight. <laughs> I could just start introducing Anastasia first and eliminate this, but her one reaction to that alone tells me not to. Oh, don't Ooh. take it away from me. <laughs> And joining us this week is our special guest, Rogelio Avalle. A hello. Co- hello. See? <laughs> well done. <laughs> it always just makes me realize how high my voice is, that everyone does it. <laughs> then I just go, why am I the host? We should give it to anybody else. These voices are better for podcasts. I have a face for radio and a voice for nothing. Why are we even here? <laughs> And Rogelio is bringing us The West Side Story, a beloved musical, a classic film. It's being remade. It's a story as old as Romeo and Juliet because that's basically what it is. Uh, So immediately we drain any originality out of the movie. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it, it's history in Broadway is as long and interesting. It was immediately kind of hit for some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's been adapted and readapted. These songs have lasted for years. Uh, guys, how did you originally feel about this production? I guess the movie when you first saw it. Rogelio, did you, well, tell us about your first exposure to it. So I was in seventh grade and we obviously were doing Romeo and Juliet. So my seventh grade English teacher put this movie on for us after we had finished you know reading the play and so up to that point I had an interest in film and whatnot but I had never really seen any representation of people who were of my ethnic background or who resembled my family or any of that sort me being Puerto Rican Mexican so when I saw that movie immediately being a fan of of musicals the, the, the fact that it was a musical, I was just drawn into it by, by the first sound of the music playing and the score and the overture. And then I saw the, the, the landscape of New York City. And I thought, this is amazing because I remember the stories my grandmother told me of how she came to New York from Puerto Rico and what that, what that experience was like. So immediately I was connecting to it. And then I saw the shark and I was like, wow, these, these are people who look like my family members albeit they look very, very like almost painted, but okay. And you know, I'm 11, 12 years old and I'm not really registering it all at that moment. And then I see Rita Moreno when she comes out and forget it, I was hooked. At that moment, when I saw her come out and she was doing that scene in the, in the dressing room with Natalie Wood and they're fixing her dress and I just, I heard the conversation and it reminded me of my grandmother and her sisters. It just became something that was so instantly recognizable and beautiful in that moment for me, because up to that point, I had never seen something like that before. And the things that they were talking about and that they were thinking about, I was like, 
okay, this sounds like something that I've been told before by my grandmother and her siblings. So it felt very, again, familiar and, and it resonated in that regard, that first time that I have ever seen it. Anastasia, Terrence, did you guys have a first experience with it? Anastasia, you are muted. Uh, well, I grew up watching it. Um, we watched like a lot of musicals in my family. So, uh, and you know, I have Puerto Rican family members and stuff like that. So we sang it a lot, like <laughs> a lot, a lot, <laughs> maybe too much. <laughs> So, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was very funny. Like when I was a kid, we would make fun of how they would like dance off um, to each other. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, Living Color made fun of it by uh, pitting the African-American gang against the Jewish gang. And it was like one of my favorite sketches. So that was my, that was my foray into it for the first time, yes. Um, it's interesting because I went through this via the lyrics first, uh, as a music theater person, uh, I got into Sondheim because Into the Woods and, and Sweeney Todd. So I started sort of deep diving to the rest of what he had done. And so that's how I wound up on the West Side Story. So I, I, I'm familiar with this, the, the musical arrangement and the lyrics and the songs. I had not seen, uh, a, a, either a theatrical or film version of this until a few hours ago. Um, but I was like aware of all the music. So that was the first <laughs> time that I saw it and seeing it as an, an adult is probably, and a person who's much more conscious of what the hell is happening in, 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 in the world and how people should be represented. Yeah, this hits a very different way uh, seeing it now than I imagine it would have if had I had seen this uh, in my youth. Um, but yeah, I literally just saw, saw the entire thing for the first time uh, about three hours ago. It was, for me, I saw it, I was also in seventh grade. I cannot sing, but for some reason I was in the musicals in my junior high school for doing some, I was just doing acting in it. I had small roles. I liked to be there. It was Bye Bye Birdie and uh, 45 Minutes from Broadway. We're seventh and eighth grade. And it was my first real exposure to that kind of theater. And I sort of jumped in just being like, I liked drama class. I will now do the drama thing on the stage. And my mom very much was like, well, you should learn about musicals. Like, let's go get some stuff. And we picked up this one because it's like for a while it was the musical. This changed everything, made it mainstream, brought more attention to it. And it was one of the first times that I watched something and my mom kind of every now and then was like, but you know, these are stereotypes, right? Like the music is fun. And I think it was... Like she hadn't seen it since she had been an adult. And I think it was very weird watching her watch me and her be like, oh, don't know. The music's good, but okay. Well, those people are definitely spray paint. Okay, this. <sighs> and I just remember every now and then me being like, this is pretty good. And her being like, yeah, it is. We're gonna have to have a conversation after. And I also remember going back and the for whatever reason my like dumb joke i kept making to everybody was like well it's just romeo and juliet guys like why are we so obsessed with it oh you you just did it again good for you until my drama teacher was like you gotta stop saying that 
just stop. There's other things going on. Uh, so it made me a very cynical person, but I liked it a lot. I remember being really into it. And as the years kind of went on, and I think I learned more about other musicals, it sort of became this weird one where I was like, yeah, no, this was cool. And it sort of, it was important, but like Wicked is better and other things are better and I'm good here. It, uh, it acts sort of, uh, we've talked about other, like Halloween does for horror friends, the horror movies. It's like the, the blueprint uh, of a lot of what we sort of know as musical theater is done through through this. So when you go back to watch it, you're like, ah, some of this stuff doesn't, is not as inventive or as new anymore. But if you think about the time that it came out, you're like, oh wait, this was breaking some crazy barriers at the time that it was. And while, yes, how they went about it was incorrect, um, the attempt to represent uh, a group of people that was not previously represented in, in, in theater uh, was was well was well intended it just uh not well executed <laughs> yeah i think uh that's exactly what we'll get into now yeah. is uh now in 2021 on the <laughs> precipice of steven spielberg trying to get the movie made again which we'll get very into uh, -huh. uh Rogelio, <laughs> why can't we do this anymore <laughs> so first off one of the things that as I became more and more aware of the lack of representation for my people on screen, one of the things that I realized and that shocked me once I started studying the film was George Chakidis is Greek. He's not even Latino, he's not, not even Hispanic and he's playing a Puerto Rican and won an Oscar for it. Yep. And I thought, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the thing was, he didn't set the precedence for that. That had already been set decades before him. He was just following in the Hollywood system that was created for non-people of color to play roles that should have gone to us, um, especially Hispanic people, Latino people. Oh, and yeah. it continues to this day. Jennifer Connelly won her Oscar for A Beautiful Mind playing a Salvadorian. Uh, ben Affleck in Argo. Hispanic and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Zorro, the, the, there's, there's a, a history of eliminating the talent of Latino people and Hispanic people and giving it to Caucasian people, white people, um, or even someone else who is of a different ethnicity. Um, in House of Cards, they give it to, there's a Hispanic character played by I believe a Middle Eastern actress. And it's just, it's one of those things where when I watch West Side Story and I see so much truth, there's also so much stereotypes and false images that have hindered our advancement as a people in the industry, I think. And that's the main thing that it, I find difficult when I watch it. And West Side Story is my favorite movie of all time. And it's something that we as a Hispanic people are very proud of. That in itself should tell you something. We don't have that much to hold on to as treasures of, uh, of what great cinema is according to the critics and according to the Academy and according. So this is something that we eat up and we lap up and we're like, this is it, this is what we have. And, and it's, a, it's both, 
a beacon of pride and of embarrassment, if that makes sense. It, it's the it's duality that, we, that exists within us. We're proud of Rita Moreno and what she, what she did with this movie. She is our national treasure. But we're also saddened by the fact that why did you have to paint everybody with this heavy makeup? And she even talks about it in many interviews how she told them, why are you painting us like this? Why are you putting all this heavy makeup? Do you realize we come in different shades? Different some shades, of us yeah. are European looking. Some of us are black looking. Some of us are Taino. And that's the thing. They also eliminated the history of Puerto Ricans because we have the, the African, Taino, European lineage we come in those various shades so they said forget the native looking puerto ricans and forget the afro-latino puerto ricans we're just going to make it one type so it it creates this this confusion of what latino and hispanic people look like if that makes sense that makes complete sense Absolutely, i think yeah. One of the very odd things that that made me think of is I think growing up in even the school system, whenever they would try to do diversity initiatives or murals of diversity, everything was very binary in its colorization. It was very specific skin tones. There was never really a conversation of like nuance of people can all look different and have different shades and different colors and everything else. It was always very... I don't know how else to put it, like a color wheel. And that's just where people landed on it, which is incredibly detrimental. And it makes kind of the re-education process challenging. And I think when you then get that through the lens of media, it sort of reinforces that, especially when you have music. I always feel like, because I'm not musical at all. So I'm like, music is, it's such a, it's a, it's such a cheat code for emotion. If you're a filmmaker or a comedian or anything else, a bad scene in a movie is elevated by a good score. If you're a stand-up comic who can play guitar and you lose the audience, you just hit the three right chords and they're back in your show. So it's almost even harder, I think, when they have these problems in a musical because it's so easy to be distracted by the music and the singing and these words. I mean. When you think of the song America, I don't immediately, I'm like, oh, this is really, really bad. I'm like, it's kind of a bop. But then you're like, oh God, they are saying some horrible, <laughs> atrocious, detrimental things that especially through 2021 is awful. That whole song is basically like, there's a diseased country. And it's like, well, we can't, we can't do that anymore ever for anything. We like, this is incredibly dangerous and bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's And one of, oh, go ahead. One of the things, especially about the representation of the island, is it also created the idea that Puerto Rico is this foreign land that has- I was gonna just say that. Off, and it's just like, <laughs> we're, we've been in American territory for, at that point, I think more than 50 years when West Side Story first came out. We are Americans and it created this divide that, oh, you guys are foreign immigrants. Yo, we are, we didn't ask to be colonized by y'all. We didn't ask to be made a territory. You made us a territory and yet you don't right. treat us like one of your own. You don't treat us like a citizen. Well, that and doesn't sound very American at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it harkens to the notion that at the end of the day, whether you're here 
as a citizen or not, if you're Hispanic, you're immediately put in the box mm-hmm. and you're put as other, less than. And that divide, watch, when I do watch that movie and I'm reminded of that divide, of that separation of, oh, Puerto Ricans aren't, aren't citizens. It reminds me of the stories my grandmother would tell when she came to New York and you know they moved to the to uh to new york from puerto rico when she was 14 and she would be going to school and her and her brothers and sisters who are all different shades some are dark dark some are super light like me and they vary in between and they would say to to all of them that they were twice the n-word because not only were they a minority but they didn't speak the language so the divide that you're not one of us is so rampant in in West Side Story that we forget Puerto Ricans are American citizens. <laughs> I mean, our last president forgot that as well. So um <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is like a there's a super like a super uh amount of divide. Um there's some some kind of distance that uh, America's tried to do with the Latin community. I mean, we just talked about it in the last um, episode when we we're talking about three caballeros, and I was talking about like oh. how I grew up with like a lot of Mexican culture because I live in basically I was born and raised in Los Angeles, which is basically Mexico, <laughs> like, you know. And so I just think there's this weird divide, and I I, I so agree with you on that. Um, it's the divides are so interesting too because I grew up in Chicago, which by the time I was growing up in Chicago, it had both world's fairs, which were designed to be like, all of these cultures are going to be together. But the result of it was incredible segregation in the city and really yeah. having, this is the Greek town and this is the Latinx town. And this is this, to the point where we've had mayors who built highways to be like, and then the highway should turn around and not go into those neighborhoods. So this, wow. it, it's such a very odd place to grow up because so many of the cultures mixed together in some ways that are positive and like food and art is kind of there and in other ways incredibly negative where it's like I can't tell you how many times myself or other friends I had in Chicago were like and then I got off the train and somebody was just that's not where that guy belongs I'm very white so I got it in a lot of places in Chicago <laughs> but <laughs> well, we even get to Comiskey Park um, just on that, as, as I'm listening, one of the things that I, I've, I also realized that West Side Story had an opportunity to do, but did not do. And again, albeit we, we have to take into consideration the time, yes, but an opportunity to, to break down the system of colorism within the Latino community as well, and the Hispanic community. Because again, Puerto Ricans vary in different shades. And when they were doing the makeup for all the Puerto Ricans, they said, we're gonna paint you one color. All the same. They completely eliminated my Afro-Latino family. Half of my family is Afro-Latino. And when they watch West Side Story, yes, we're talking about Puerto Ricans, but they don't see themselves. And it created this continuous cycle of, if you look this way, this is what you are. So the light, lighter-skinned Puerto Ricans are like, oh, well, that's not us. We're not speaking with uh, a thick accent. Whereas the Carmel people were like, but we don't speak like that either. And then the Afro-Latino Puerto Ricans are like, well, at least you're on the screen. We're not even mentioned. We're not even seen. So it creates this divide that continues and continues that we are still facing to this day, if that makes sense. 
Um, and so it, it was an opportunity that was missed, unfortunately. And my hope with this remake is that Spielberg has enough uh, wherewithal and talked enough with the community to be like, I'm going to include the rainbow palette of Puerto Ricans here in this film. So hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I mean, I ha we have casting on that, right? We do. We do. And, it got delayed because yeah. the lead w was doing some problematic things. It, it, but I, I do of know course. that Spielberg like had pretty much ran the window as far as who he was hiring for the yeah. uh, for the for the other parts. I know there is an Afro Latino woman that is in this film, and she, I guess, she went in even with the casting, saying, "Just so you're aware, I'm a darker skinned." Uh, yes. Is just if you're putting on screen, that's fine. I just want you to know what you're what you're doing. Um, so I think he is seems to be doing a better well, job and, and listening. And Rita is also on set. Apart, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's playing a very large role, and he has her as the yeah. EP specifically for this. I know he said, and it's very weird when a Caucasian filmmaker says things like this, but he's like the only reason he wanted to remake it for a 2020 audience. I made it 2021 because oops delays is to make it authentic <laughs> to the puerto rican experience which is you know a challenge when you're not puerto rican um so it'll be very interesting to see how much he listens how well he listens and how he interprets that into it and that really when i found out that he was remaking it uh part of me like and not to take anything away from him as as one of the premier filmmakers of our time um but a part of me was heartbroken because that was always my dream to create a, a, a retelling of that. And especially because the difficulty is it's already hard enough that we don't have our stories out there, but then to have our stories being told from someone who doesn't share that experience per se, um, it, it, it's, it's a catch 22, if that makes sense um it does it's it's interesting because i i feel like spielberg of all people has already sort of been in this window and he's already felt bad the fact that a person of color didn't direct color purple um and he's already right. sort of been in that right. window. So it's weird that he's actively choosing to do a story again i granted just like with color purple he's like this problem especially then that movie would not have existed had spielberg's name not been on attached to it to get it and, so that might yeah. be sort of what's happening here again too but it's just weird that now why, I think, is, why are I we don't... continuing to to do that like okay you, you know you don't actually have to you're spielberg you could just say i am producing I produce this it. correct exactly. and that's it made, what it made a that's little more I'm sense saying. with yeah. color purple it does not make as much sense with right Rosai. i feel like he could have easily just picked like he could have gone and say all right a person uh of this world needs to direct enough of a name Lin right yes. Yes. yeah look exactly look baby boy come here do this for me i'm producing I'll it put my name as you're a gonna get you're gonna yeah. get your egot with this go ahead let's do it all you know i yeah. think that would even I, be a better marketing push because i feel like when people heard this idea, half of them were first like, oh, we're doing West Side Story again. Another half was like, why is Spielberg doing this? Right. And I think right. within that, again, like I don't want to take anything away from Steven Spielberg. He's obviously one of the best filmmakers of all time, but right. the man has had as many misses as he has had hits. So I'm like, well, which, yeah. which Spielberg are we getting and why not find, oh, like do the... Uh, <laughs> Like Judd Apatow said it in an interview once where he was like, look, I've done my directing and my producing. I now just want to find the people who need to tell their stories and help them get their stories told. I'm like, 
yes why don't we do let's yeah. get steven doing that because there's a twofold thing to it it's not even just the race it's also age i i feel like there should also be a younger person in, in because this is a exactly this is a story of young people and not to be ageist in that regard but especially now it, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 mean, I, I think I think that that fatigue alone, we were like, yeah, it's it's like when he recently in an interview was like, the next movie I make after this is going to be about my childhood because I've been telling childhood stories, and I was like, we don't you don't need to do that, man. We know it, we got it. It's like, I know you're very good at it. I know this is exact. This is right in your wheelhouse, but like, it's a little on the nose. Um, I also would hope, just because it is being told, I don't know if this is being, if they're modernizing it and putting it in present day, I'm not sure what year the new one is sort of taking place in, but I would hope that the interaction that the Latinx folks have with the police is a little bit more uh, poignant in the newer version because it's a lot more, it was a lot more glossed over in that, in that very glossed round. over. Um, very glossed over. The response that the police would give to the white gang versus what they would give mm -hmm. to uh, the other gang would be infinitely different. And I think I hope I would like to see that because that needs to be shown. Yeah. yeah and I, and I that, don't know that we're going to get, I don't know. It's, no, it's I, so hard yeah. when you have like, when you have a, a, a white person helming a, a person's experience, like a, a, a other than white male experience it's it's hard to say that they're going to pick up everything well and it's like we're, we're putting a lot on this movie and on steven spielberg i feel like too because it is he kind of said it you know the story is a product of its time but that time is returned and it's returned with a social fury and i really wanted to tell that puerto rican experience of migration and struggle to make a living but you look at everything else going on before the movie had a chance to come out the world changed drastically in 2020 and yeah. terrence is right when you look at relationships with police and white gangs versus non-white gangs and is he really gonna have the I, him as a director i genuinely believe has the nuance to be like we really got to show how all of these relationships are different i don't know that the studio is going to produce a movie that's going to tell a person of color's story well and well represented have the nuance of how we feel about police now have a younger story told through the eyes of a, a an older director which again not to be ages the man has of course proven he can direct young stories but when you boil all of this now and it is still a remake of a movie we've had before yeah. it, it's asking quite and obviously that when you're i when you're remaking a movie i feel like a musical rather do we keep these classic songs? What like the, we're getting now into kind of stuff we haven't talked about on this show. What do you do with a song like America now? So there are moments in that song for me that have so much truth to it. And it's problematic. What what makes it problematic for me though is when who I love Sondheim. Absolutely adore Sondheim. And again, I get it. In 1956, when they're creating the musical to premiere in 1957, there was no room for us at the table. So Sondheim had, was, was writing for us. That's the problem for me. Writing these lyrics that are, they're difficult to hear. And it's, it, it brings a lot of questions for me. What made you write that? 
and who were you talking to and why did you write it that way? And I've, I've never been able to obviously ask those questions because I don't know Sondheim, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I, I'd like to think and give benefit of the doubt to him that he was coming from a place of trying to understand him having difficulties being a queer man himself and whatnot in his upbringing, trying to trying to gauge a perspective uh, of understanding and learning. That being said, when you retell this story, you have to revisit these lyrics and say, okay, what holds up and what doesn't hold up? One, two, what can we change to tell the same sentiment, but do it in a way that doesn't play into stereotypes? And that's going to be, I don't know how they've done it or if they did it, but it would be difficult because this musical is so ingrained in American culture. And if you do any changes like that, oh my God, people are just going to yeah, have, there's, a, have a fit. I mean, there's some they, musicals that like you do Oklahoma again and you start changing stuff and they're going to burn stuff down. Exactly. Who's and doing Oklahoma again? No one Darren. should be. That's Who's burning stuff down. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm Oklahoma. doing Oklahoma again. So, <laughs> so there we go. Thank you for where the green view. grass grows, Oklahoma. We're really gonna get Snyder Terrence. cuttery about that musical. Terrence is very concerned about Oklahoma. It's and don't forget every color on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat down we will have riots. <laughs> right. It was but, red and, and orchid thing. and golden and peach and scarlet and mold and ruby and gold. You know, I, I will I will say that I I understand what you're saying though, because like people people will say the stupidest things, like even if it is made for people of color. Like I remember with Hunger Games, right? When people were pissed off that Rue was a black girl even though in the book she's a black girl like <laughs> i like, yeah. like you know what i mean and i'm like, just like even stuff that is supposed to be representation for for uh you know people of people of color um if it's not done in the way that was the sanctity of back then then what we've ruined it people, by making it pc <laughs> when, when west side story was brought back on broadway in 2011 and the actress won the Tony for playing Anita. Uh, they were livid at the fact that they had changed the musical so that some of the numbers included Spanish lyrics. It's about I, Puerto Rico. Which I honestly I hope they do in the film. I can't even roll my eyes yeah. anymore than I, like my eyes were too much to roll the world around. It will never stop confusing me because I'm like, you have the version it, you just have that one. Let the new one exist. Right? That's if the other so thing. If you're so upset that it's not your way, your way right. is over You got there. your way. Yeah, you got your way. It's, it's and, here. Now maybe try something different. Also, aren't we supposed to, every time we remake or redo something, aren't we supposed to do something different? Aren't we supposed to bring a new vibe? Sure. Well, yeah. and, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, they had no problems on Sunday in the Park with George uh, premiered on Broadway again in a revival, and they did the set differently. It was all computer screen. They loved it. They tried that. They bought, but anything that makes you have to change your approach to 
your response to ethnicity and cultural differences, mm. they're like, ah. Yeah, anytime you you get in their face about anything ethnic or or mm -hmm. questioning their their beliefs or or what how they used to always do things, that's when they start getting uncomfortable. Like, well, yeah. I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to think. But about I'm it. comfortable with my racism, yeah. and I don't want you to point it out. I just want to sing along to my racism and allow me to do it. <laughs> it's it's very interesting as we talk, Terrence and I do at length on another podcast about remaking and rebooting shows and movies. And when you get into the importance of storytelling mm. and you look at the world now and you go, well, we should have something inclusive and we should have something dealing with the relationships of police and we should do... Of course, you look at West Side Story, and, and to your point, Rogelio, earlier of saying that this had such an opportunity to do something, well, let's use that opportunity now. If we're going to retell a story that yeah. was essentially just Romeo and Juliet, let's infuse it with something that's going to be meaningful to people. And I never understand why people get so hesitant about going, something was meaningful to me, maybe it should be meaningful to other people too. Like you- Yeah, you I don't understand that. Like, I mean, I, I like, for example, right? Master of the Universe, Shira is my jam. It's my jam, right? I loved it as a kid. It's problematic. Don't even go into it. Whatever. My memories of it are fond. When they made a new series and I watched it and they made all these changes, I never was like, oh my God, I hate it. What I said was like, cool, not not, not for me, but that, I'm glad a new generation is, is speaking to them. Like, mm -hmm. like, I'm glad other a, people are proud of. Oh, ruin my childhood campaign? That's no, 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 the I only, didn't. The only thing that ruined your childhood was turning 18. That's <laughs> right. That part. And that the closing part. down of Toys R Us. But other than that. <laughs> no, that was just a harsh reminder that you turned 18. Damn it. <laughs> You're done. But I'm still going to take my Flintstone vitamins until the day I die. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's wild to me. I think, you know, but yeah, and so. I think the police brutality part too is essential because of the fact that so many Latinos, we struggled so much to come to this country and not, not just Puerto Ricans, but all Latinos and Hispanics who came from South America, Central America, the Caribbean islands to the United States to pursue something. So much, so many of us came undocumented, first of all. So that in itself lends to our de desperate need to assimilate. And through assimilation came a separation of, if I behave and act a certain way, then maybe I won't face the brutality that I see darker skinned people go through. And so when, again, West Side Story came out and they showed almost a, a camaraderie of relationship between the cops and the sharks. And they're like, oh, see, look, they, they really didn't rough them up. And they, they, they really didn't you know, behave in a brutal way the way we're told they behave. See, it's, it's other people who, who get the brutality. As long as we, and it created a separation again with colorism of, look, it's the Afro-Latinos and the black people who get in trouble with the cops. We don't, we assimilate, we mind our business, we keep our head down. We don't want to get deported. We don't want to get involved. We don't, we da, 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 da. And they showed, look, we can have a good relationship with the cops. And the thing is, 
That's not true. That, that's not true. At the end of the day, when you get pulled over by, and, and you have someone operating under a mindset of oppression and racism and systemic oppression and racism, and they pull you over, they're not gonna see someone who is assimilating, they're gonna see someone who's dark, who's ethnic, and you're gonna get the same treatment. And I hope that in this new version of West Side Story, we are shown that unfortunately, you could be Puerto Rican, you could be black, you could be Venezuelan, you could be Salvadorian when you get pulled over. There's there's fear that something terrible could happen. You can't escape it. And that's, that's something that I've been working hard behind the scenes to encourage my community to be like, stop separating yourselves and thinking that it won't affect you because it does. It will. It can. And it, you can't escape it, if that makes sense. It does. It, I, I, I hope they keep the, keep it in because I think Spielberg would handle the scene and elevate the scene much more. But in this movie, uh, the scene that I really thought was it was close had we had better actual representation in it. But the diner scene, I mean, in the, where, in the, where they're in the diner and the cop comes in and he basically berates like it seems like he's on their he's, he's being kind at first and then he berates them yeah. uh, and, and just just destroys them and, 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 and kicks them out and sort of has the camaraderie with the sharks, but it, it boots the jets out. And, I, and it's funny because even in this version, there's a, while they actively hate each other, there's a look that uh, jets leader and sharks leader give each other kind of just like, yeah, you probably should get the hell out of here because yeah. it's, about, it's about to get gross. Um, which is just, I was like, that's fascinating. Even with two people who actively can't stand each other, like this, is, that this isn't the place for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Spielberg could probably considering his history could probably knock that one out of the park um, with actual people of the correct ethnicity playing yeah, that part. I don't think the problem is Steven Spielberg himself. The man's a good director. I think it, it's, a, it's an opportunity miss to get a, a younger person of color behind yeah. the camera to redo this. Um, Especially when there's one like that actively we we all can point to like what Lin Manuel is right there. <laughs> he's right here. He's very famous. He's making a lot of that's what I meant. But I was like, isn't this even more marketable? Isn't a, a Lin Manuel directed, Steven Spielberg produced? Isn't this just like the well, golden? I think it is. I mean, I... go ahead. I was gonna say, and even if you wanted more Academy eligible Alfonso Cuaron, Alejandro Inieri. You know, you got all these people. Yeah, and I, I think that's why, while he's not directing it, it is, is his music. That's why I think In the Heights is sort of uh, getting a little bit more love from from folks. They're like, oh, this one is what I want to see because this is more, it's younger, it's hipper, and it's more in relation to what we're kind of going yeah. through now. Yeah. Rogelio, you mentioned that it was your dream to retell this story. Given the opportunity, I'm wondering, uh, we've gone through kind of a lot of stuff of it. What would be your take? What actors would you want? How would you handle some of these songs? If Give me the pitch. Let's oh, hear the- Oh, he said, put you on the spot right now. Okay, <laughs> um, well, in that case, I would definitely tell it though from a more Afro-Latino sphere, just because having 
I'm when you pull me next to my cousins, I'm the I'm the only I'm like one of two who's the only light one. Everyone else is a lot darker than me. So I'm the one that stands out. But having grown up and knowing their experience, because I understand my privilege, if that makes sense. And it is my goal and determination to spotlight stories, especially of Afro-Latinos. And so to create a West Side Story in 2021 would be one to spotlight that of the Afro-Latino experience um, and understanding the divide within their own community, but also what they deal with in terms of racism um, every day and kind of put that out there in the forefront. So you got, and that's the problem. What actors would I get? Oh Lord, I don't know. You put me on the spot like that. I could say someone like Christina Milian, who's Cuban, but that's because that's the first <laughs> Afro Latina I can think of who's Dark around. That's right. I didn't but know that, if you had it in your back pocket, and we're like, here's uh, who it is. No, and that's that's the problem because for the other thing I would want, and I had always thought about this when I was making it, is to make stars for this movie, create stars, let this be their platform where they become. Yes. So I didn't want household names. Yeah, One, say, two. yeah. yeah. For, for that situation, right. you kind of have to like cast a wide net and cast a new net. I think yeah. you, you find those stars, you find the people that look like what you need and then you, yeah. work with, and you make them a name as opposed to like taking people that are, are stars and don't quite fit what you need. We're like, oh, we can exactly. make this or <laughs> we can paint you. Exactly. Do and that's been the problem. Like that's, that's exactly it. Because when, when filmmakers are looking to create a, a Hispanic movie or Latino movie, they just take what's available. And sometimes that's not it. They, they don't want to cast the wide net and tell an authentic story. So they just put any old body in place. And it's just like, eh, okay, yeah, but that doesn't work, you know? Um, and that's, that's, that's a problem that we face that I don't think, and I might get in trouble for this, but I don't think we as a people have come into our golden age yet of film and cinema and television in terms of just hit after hit after hit of just great filmmaking because we have not been given that opportunity to okay. we'll have a it's few your, movies here yeah. and there I was say, yeah it's, it's because of representation and how yeah but i would say casting wise and this is going to be a really weird casting so anastasia washington for... uh i was thinking mj rodriguez like well and that in itself telling you that that be... puts a whole new spin on it the trans experience as well. Yeah. I love MJ. I love, love and I love I heard her sing in um a Little Shop of Horrors. Rent. I saw oh, okay. I saw I oh, saw yes. Little Shop she of Horrors. Pasadena. Yes. I like have not like that 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 her her role to me had always been kind of a joke, right? Like, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until MJ like sang it that I was like oh shit this woman is real being abused like real it's real not funny like it was like she and, and that in itself the the, the, yeah. the fact and, and th that's part of the problem my, my, the fact that that wasn't at the top of my head I own yeah. accountability on that that wasn't I and I love MJ but I didn't immediately think of her yet for Anita or you know just just you know, that in defense, itself. I asked the last minute question on a podcast <laughs> 
<laughs> so at the end of the day, Blake is responsible for my life. I will take <laughs> all of the problems. Another white man to blame. <laughs> Once again. Like I said, if you're going to do it to be white man, I can take it. There's some that can't. Um, no, but so many that, that can't. That in bad. itself is, yeah. is, would open so many doors. No one would think. I don't even think Spielberg would have thought. Let me let me bring her in. Let me bring her in because that that opens a door and sheds exposure and creates a spotlight on so many things that need to be shown, that need to be seen, that need to be told. And oh, don't get me started on MJ. I love MJ. I'm sad poses ending. Why is it ending after three seasons? We need more than that. But don't get that's a whole nother thing. And it better be <laughs> like music heavy. Like I'm just saying, this season better be music heavy. Yes. Every other Ryan Murphy show can go on for five, six seasons, but you, you, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind. It's like, never we, mind. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's the show, guys, unless anybody has anything more to say. We're My dog, apparently, I'm going to mute it. Uh, I think we sort of landed on, there's a lot of work that could be done with West Side Story, but there is still a lot of relevance in this story. There is still an importance to it, and I think the history of what it did for its respective mediums was is also worth mentioning so yes and what rita moreno did for us as a people as well i will sing her praises till the day i die i also want to say because i think it, it sort of happened with when we talked about hattie for for gone with the wind winning an oscar and then she didn't really get work after that is just atrocious yes. like that's that's and Terrible. Rita says the same thing. She thought that Oscar would change her life yeah. and she would get the roles that she wanted. And she said she kept getting the, the stereotypes, the spitfire, the maids. And she said, I'm not going to work. And she did not work for six years. She did not make another movie for six to seven years. And the fact that this woman was able to, seven years later, come back and come back harder and win the Grammy on top of that and the Tony and two Emmys on top of her Oscar, become an EGOT winner and still have a thriving career. Seven decades later, this woman has been working since the 50s. So seven decades later, I mean, mwah, we love her. Indeed. Well, this was great. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you, dear listeners, for listening. Of course, you can leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and wherever it is you're listening. You can then, of course, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, but you can't do that anymore. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Anastasia is at Anastasia W. Terrence and I do another movie show called Hollywood Already Did It that's usually about reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations, and it's currently just an episode-by-episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier when this airs. That's what we'll be doing, and we will have figured out what that show is by then, I promise you. Um... I then do another one called How Do You Figure about action figure toy collecting. Anastasia, of course, does the Serial Killer podcast about breakfast cereals and serial killers. The Hysterical podcast, a comedy history podcast. And of course, High Reality about weed and reality television. Rogelio, where can the good people find your good work and your socials and everything else that you do? Um, I'm on Instagram at rogelio.ovalle, R-O-G-E-L-I-O dot O-V-A-L-L-E um and you can see my reruns and stuff on uh saturday mornings on abc cbs nbc and the cw and you will see my name there so yeah great uh we will see everybody next week
Bye.